Recently at Work Wisdom, we held Review Club, and we read about the architect Frank Gehry. His designs are beyond remarkable. Kedron, you've been a fan of him for ages. Yeah, I mean, he's just a genius. We're so lucky to have an American architect like this. How does he do it? Hard work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wisdom. Work wisdom. This is, this is from the article. The process Gary follows to take a project from an idea to a finished building has many virtues, but underlying all of them is the fact that his process is based on trust. Trust produces power, and power gets projects done. Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Sarah Colantonio. Our intention for The Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we're turning our focus on innovation, and I'm grateful to have Kedrin Crosby joining me. Thanks for coming. You are welcome. So today, we want to explore the inner workings of bringing innovative ideas to fruition. It might not always be sexy and fun, but it's essential for creativity. And Frank Gehry is such a spectacular example of innovation and creativity even if you're not an architectural nerd, you can't help but be stupefied by his creations. It's kind of a drawback to podcast. It's kind of, I feel like, a drawback with podcasting right now. But if you're listening, you should just Google Walt Disney Concert Hall, and you'll see what I mean, or the Guggenheim in Bilbao, Spain. Oh, my goodness. And everything he does. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So I, I want to talk about how he makes these thing, things happen, but I also want us to talk about innovation. And in order to have an innovative culture, what do we need to you know do? Roll our sleeves up and be ready for. Mm-hmm. But first question for you is, is it worth it to mm. have an innovative culture? Oh, my goodness. Is it worth it? I think the answer to that is it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So not every company needs to have an innovative culture, and but but some, if they don't have an innovative culture, are are going to be disrupted yeah. and um, not be around very long. Yeah. Is it worth it to me? Yeah. Is that your question? Yeah. <laughs> I think for our company, mm-hmm. it's absolutely worth it. So there are certain hardships and paradoxes to running an innovative organization. Um, And I hope that we have a chance to explore some of those today because I think they're little known. Mm -hmm. I don't think people recognize what it takes to have innovation. They think it's all throwing paint at walls. (laughs) It is not. Uh, It is discipline. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So... um, so our organization, of course, uh, is is called an ad hocracy using the competing values framework, 
out of University of Michigan, there are four types of culture. There's hierarchical culture, there's family culture, there's market culture, and then there's ad hocracy. And the purpose of the ad hocracy is to create. So it's highly flexible, it's externally focused, and it's all about how do we do things first yeah. and be creative. And our our organization um, squarely lands in the ad hocracy quadrant on that framework. Yeah. So personally, it's really important for us. And it's important for a lot of our clients too, isn't it? Yeah. We have many or many clients who are in the creative space. And uh, I I will assign this podcast to them (laughs) if we say anything helpful on it. Um, But yeah, it's incredibly important for them to understand the intersection between Mm -hmm. discipline and creativity. So we so we had review club recently. Mm -hmm. And I my I was assigned to read the Frank Gehry article, mm-hmm. and it was so funny because the, even the title of the article was just "How Frank Gehry Gets Projects Done on Time and Under Budget." And right. on yeah, under budget. And I was like, okay, I guess I have to read this. I didn't know who Frank Gehry is was, so I so I'm ashamed of that now. But of course, <laughs> no but... shame, no blame, <laughs> just progress. But it was such a moving article. Mm-hmm. I, I just was awestruck by it and it kind of made me the whole experience of it made me think about creativity and innovation that even the title was kind of boring and Mm -hmm. and just plain but it but it was clear and and then but when you got into it it was incredibly inspiring incredibly moving and incredibly important I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah, it was such a good article. And everyone in the club on Friday mm-hmm. loved it, too. I think the article wasn't meant to be about creativity. The article was yeah. actually meant to be about project management, yeah, which is boring, <laughs> right? And so it was the whole article was about how do you get big projects done mm-hmm. on time and on budget? Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, I guess the article said... 0.5 percent mm-hmm. of all big right. projects bridges you know symphony halls anything actually meet both of those criteria of getting done on time and meeting budget it's unbelievable five percent yeah so 99.5 percent <laughs> miss the deadline yeah. and blow past the budget so they were studying him because he's fascinating as a project mm-hmm. management guru yeah. more than as an, a great artist. But what is impossible not to take from it is obviously this creative genius. He's both. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you, how do we, we be have both? both. Yeah. yeah. So I do want to talk about some of the takeaways from that article yeah. and, and the how to the recipe for how he, he manages this. The first one was fascinating it was basically to get control Mm -hmm. so that you as the creative force have the control and you have in order to have that control you have to gain and maintain trust that the quote from the introduction is really key there 
So um, that was the, that was the first point. And then secondly, they talked about this idea of of asking why. Mm-hmm. So with clients, uh, asking the underlying, get, getting to underlying interests and really learning to mindfully listen, which is something we talk about so much, how important it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the, one of the uh, people in the review club talked about how he actually learned, Gary learned how to mindfully listen from marriage counseling yeah wasn't that right I love it yeah work-life integration totally totally so that was a big thing being curious Mm -hmm. asking a ton of questions Mm -hmm. and really actively I like how you call it athletically listening so that you're you're you have full understanding and then the third point was simulate iterate test taking so taking the time to play with ideas, um, trying things out, you know, and that's in, I guess for architects, it's using a lot of computer (laughs) generated, um, uh, technology. Um, but the, I thought it was really fascinating. The example of the Manhattan skyscraper that he designed Mm -hmm. was there 74 iterations Mm -hmm. for that. I know so much patience. So that was really that struck me. This uh, other thing that struck me with the 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 playing with simulating, you know, test taking was really blunt communication. Mm-hmm. So and he talks about how it wasn't fancy. It wasn't like architect language. It was that's good. That's bad. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Change that. Mm-hmm. It was so clear. Mm-hmm. And because the ultimately the the takeaway, the the ultimate goal was more important than worrying about how it was coming across. So that was kind of the, that was the culture of communication. Low context communication. Low context, right. Just really blunt. And then the last one was think slow, act fast. And I took that as meaning plan 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then and then act and then you make it happen Mm -hmm. then you build and I I I think we talked about this I related it to the videos that we make Mm -hmm. do the storyboarding (laughs) make sure everything's perfect yeah so that we can film it in a short amount of time Mm -hmm. and editing is quick anytime I've ever tried to make a video like, I'm sure it'll work out. It never does. Yeah. <laughs> so that one resonated with me. But I'm, I'm really curious about those four. So getting control, asking why, you know, iterating, mm-hmm. uh, simulating and testing, and then think slow, act fast. What do you think is most important for us out of those four? At work wisdom? Yeah. Um, I think... If we're thinking about, um, hmm, I mean, all four of them are are really helpful. I think if we're thinking about creativity and being innovative, the the iteration yeah. I think is really important. And try something, try something again, try something again, test it, ask our clients what they think, improve upon yeah. it. I think the iteration helps us to get really good creative 
products. Um, But I really like the get control. This might be the Enneagram one in me (laughs) as speaking. But I I really, we have been in experiences uh, in contracts where we were a subcontractor Mm -hmm. and we were not really able to achieve what we needed to achieve because we didn't have the direct control. Mm -hmm. And so I really relate to that one as well and and the one ask why can you tell i don't have any impulse control that i'm answering this with three all four four. (laughs) yeah i want all four of them but the asking why is so important too so you know why do you want first of all why do you want to hire us Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you hire some other organization Mm -hmm. why what are your ultimate interests here what does success look like for you and then delivering to address their why. I think that that's really critical. Okay, all four of them. Is that an okay answer? Yes, please. All four of them are important. I guess it is really hard to parse them out and say this is more than the other. I, for the, the get control, I think that in industries like ours where we're serving others, it feels a little bit like maybe a surprise that because our business is to be helpful and and do what other people want us to do Mm. and yet in order to do that successfully having the client trust us yeah and empower us (laughs) to Mm -hmm. help them Mm -hmm. um i think is, is a really interesting concept why would they hire us if they don't trust us yeah it's like asking an interior designer to come in to your house and then saying and I picked out the couch and I want this pink wallpaper and it's like why would you waste your money yeah so I would hope I would hope that if they wanted to work with work wisdom they would trust us yeah if they didn't it would be a disaster yeah so yeah yeah, I, and I'm with you. I, I like this idea of asking why. We talk about that so much. I feel like Simon Sinek really made that idea popular to always go to the why mm-hmm. uh, and to know what that is mm-hmm. because it clarifies everything else mm-hmm. down the road. Yeah. In the article, it's so great because the example that they use, Gary asked a client, why do you want this? Mm-hmm. And so later on, when the client got scared and didn't want to do it, he felt like he could push because he knew what the client really wanted yeah. and it ended up working out. So, yeah, you're right. All four important. And I don't think you can <laughs> not have one. I think the bigger question is how do we be intentional about yeah. weaving all four of these yeah. into our practice? And for our listeners, how, the, how are they intentional about bringing those four practices into their workplaces too? Yeah. What's, what do you think? Like, how do we, how do we weave them in? At Work Wisdom? How does anyone weave them in? Yeah. I'm thinking. Well, I think we started by reviewing them at Review Club yeah. and having the team talk about them. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe we bring them up again in, in some strategy sessions. Yeah. Which out of those four, maybe this is an easier question, what do you think is most difficult uh, for us to to live into? I think the last one, think slow, 
act fast. Yeah. Why, why do you think it's so tough? Well, it's back to culture. Mm-hmm. So our DNA is as an ad hocracy, which is uh, be first, um, be creative, be the first one to market with some idea. Mm-hmm. And so that's what got us here. You know, mm-hmm. now what gets you here doesn't get you there, right? Yeah. So um, learning how to tap the brakes and have some impulse control and maybe iterate focus groups, you know, do that more than just say, all right, we got a new product, we did the research, let's take it to market. Maybe we slow down a little bit. Yeah. But that feels like suicide, (laughs) organizational suicide, you know? Yeah. But, But it's not. Yeah. It's just we've been in startup mode for eight years so i think organizational maturation Mm -hmm. is letting go of that uh frenzy yeah yeah and you talked about discipline and even in the article they talk about the virtues right Mm -hmm. so it is it is a virtue to take the time think slowly go through it again and again mm-hmm. before the action. But you're right, the it's the power part, the the doing part is so attractive. Mm-hmm. Well, this article reminded me a lot of Gary Paisano's article in HBR oh, yeah. about the hard truths of innovative cultures. And so mm-hmm. I I think that the the Frank Gary article and the Gary Paisano article together are so illuminating for our listeners. So I think maybe spending a little bit of time on those hard truths mm-hmm. of innovative cultures would be helpful. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about those. I I found the the hard truths about innovative cultures um, as a real lesson in balance and opposites and. Um, so yeah, let's talk let's talk a little bit about those. The the one uh the one hard truth that Paisano mentions is he says there needs to be in an innovative culture a tolerance for failure, but no tolerance for incompetence. <laughs> I know. But everybody thinks innovative cultures are all fun. You know, throwing paint at walls, but it's so true. There's got to be this intolerance for incompetence. And that's what's behind the curtain in truly sustained, innovative cultures. And and even the balancing act of that, I'm picturing like a tightrope. So somehow you are interested in in failure. Mm -hmm. That's part that makes it possible Mm -hmm. but incompetence no gotta go gotta go yeah well i think it's also really important that that the organization frames what is failure so what is what is a helpful failure what is a learning failure how is that going to you know take that failure and transmute that into a success i think that's the kind of failure that we need no incompetence um that is someone's not doing their job. They're not thinking mm-hmm. about how we're going to learn from this failure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's got to go. Yeah. So so that was that was one hard truth. Um, willingness to experiment, but highly disciplined. 
psychologically safe but brutally candid were the next two. Mm -hmm. Willingness to experiment but highly disciplined. (laughs) Again, these are just... They just hit me square in the middle of the head. It totally makes sense. What do you think? Well, I, I definitely agree with them. And I think about uh, what it means to be highly disciplined around experimentation mm. and how do you have a Gantt chart around the experiments yeah. and how are you, you know, the, the Frank Gehry skyscraper that took 74 tries. Yeah. I, I think of the patience it took and the curiosity it took to have 74 iterations. Yeah. But I think about the discipline of having 74 iterations. They kept track of every iteration yeah. and they had debriefings after every <laughs> iteration, you know? And yeah. so I think that's what takes such discipline yeah. is that then after iteration 14, they said, let's talk about what could be better here. So I think that takes a lot of discipline. Yeah. Um, and then the psychologically safe but brutally candid is – obvious you know you can't get to innovation if you're walking on eggshells around people and you can't have the radical candor and yes care personally but also challenge directly you're never going to break through yeah I I was just talking to someone who said um they their friend left a job because the the having to have those conversations was so overwhelming just they couldn't have radical candor it was too stressful for them oh okay yeah what made it was it the the culture was not open to i guess i I mean i think that i think what's so interesting about the psychologically safe culture but also brutally uh brutally candid Mm -hmm. is it it is really hard it means that you are have to be willing to like get your idea completely shut down mm-hmm. um, and not take it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, or on the other hand, you have to be willing to speak up and say, this is not, this doesn't work. Like mm-hmm. you haven't thought about this. And I, yeah. I think that a lot of people just are nice. They don't want to, they don't want to come across as mean. Mm-hmm. I, so I don't think it's just, it doesn't come naturally, I think, to some people, yeah. even though the outcome is positive. It's, an, you know, innovation and creativity. It's like it still feels too scary, maybe. Absolutely. And I think some communities are nice. We yeah. live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, yeah. which culturally is yeah. a nice community. Yeah. So so we're swimming in water that yeah. is nice culture. And then we have organizations that also are sort of inculcated into mm-hmm. niceness. I think the article that our listeners should read if they're interested in creating cultures of innovation um, that have skillfulness around communication in this way is the Francesca Gino article, yeah. Cracking the Code of Sustained Collaboration. Yeah, And so she uses a lot of concrete examples from Pixar and other organizations where they teach skills mm-hmm. around how to have psychologically safe but brutally candid communication. Yeah. So I, I love 
her work. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that struck me about that conversation is that um, she says to be upfront about how uncomfortable sometimes mm-hmm. the the brutal candor mm-hmm. <laughs> can be. And even just saying that mm-hmm. can really help. Mm-hmm. Um, and leaders have to normalize it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's the hardest part of leadership yeah. for some people, but yeah. yeah, if leaders aren't being uh psychologically safe and brutally candid, you're never going to get to innovation. Yeah. So, um in this article, this Gary Paisano article, The Hard Truths About Innovative Cultures, the last two hard truths are collaboration, speaking of collaboration, mm-hmm. but with individual accountability and then lastly flat but strong leadership. So tell me about those. What do you think of those for why are they why is this why is that a hard truth about innovative culture? Well, um it, who is the uh Versace designer, Donatella Versace, yeah. who says that all creativity comes from conflict, right? <laughs> so <laughs> so it, you know, I think the collaboration, but with individual accountability, you can't have collaboration unless you're open mm-hmm. to challenging each other and yeah. having conflict. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think learning how to collaborate is is essential to get to innovation, true collaboration, where everyone's being both assertive and and accommodating um, yeah. and and cooperative. So I think that's important. If you have someone on a team who is falling down on the job and they're not being accountable, then you can't harness the collective brilliance Mm -hmm. of that group of people. Mm -hmm. So that one seems pretty obvious to me. Um, I think about our podcast on talent density. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have a jerk, a slacker (laughs) or a pessimist on a team, um, they're they're not building that collaboration, yeah. so it really greatly diminishes team performance by thirty or forty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the flat but strong leadership, I think that engenders collaboration as well because with flat leadership, you have many more people reporting to you, so you're hmm. hearing ideas at least at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's strong leadership the leader can have many more people reporting to them because they're being exceptionally clear Mm -hmm. about what the expectations are, what the strategy is, what the bumpers are, what gets you fired here, Mm -hmm. all of those things. Um, And so I can see why collaboration happens more readily in flat, flat organizations, but that have strong leaders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's not throwing pain at the walls, is yeah, it? Yeah, no, not at not. all. Which of these resonates most for you? What feels important for work wisdom? Um, or maybe like who we work with as well. Yeah, I think when I think about most of our clients that are successful innovators, long-term successful innovators. Um, I think number three, the one on how do we do psychological safety that's brutally candid. Mm. I think those (laughs) organizations and teams that have learned how to do that can continue to innovate for the long haul. 
Yeah. Yeah, that that one's so important. Yeah. And and again, maybe it's because the culture that our company is here in the this part of Pennsylvania that it's not natural to yeah. be so candid because it's a high context culture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that's a I think that's an important one to to live into. I really also like the willingness to experiment but highly disciplined um you know i i was i'm thinking about the work that we do a lot of it is highly creative and creation of content is key Mm -hmm. and how you and i have both decided to set aside time to make sure that we're writing and reading and it's so scary Mm -hmm. (laughs) to think about Having that time set aside, it's also incredibly necessary. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'd like to see the outcomes of that, that we that we are giving it that much um time discipline. and attention. Yeah, yeah. And really yeah, the discipline of it. Mm-hmm. It feels so easy to to schedule during that time or mm-hmm. be like it's not a big deal and mm-hmm. it's, but we have to do it mm-hmm. I think that's true for every artist yeah. every creative every innovative organization that we know yeah that that the ones who are able to sustain this work for the long haul f- learn how to be disciplined in yeah. that way yeah. so I think you're right number two is extremely important yeah yeah I again to to wrap this up, I think, I think that you're right. I think we tend to think of innovative cultures as really fun mm-hmm. and and uh, throwing paint <laughs> at the walls and and exciting all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in order to achieve that, we, we we have to put our heads down. We have to work. Well, and and as leaders, we have to learn how to hold the tension that's created by these paradoxes. We have to recognize the paradoxes and then we have to manage Mm -hmm. them, but we have to hold the tension. And I think we have to support our people in feeling safe while they're holding the tension too. So I I think that this is very important information for for really any organization, but especially any organization that needs creativity and innovation to make the world a better place. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm so grateful that we get to be part of this movement of helping others in the workplace enhance their individual and collective team performance. Thank you, listeners, for downloading The Behaviorist. We hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and Productions. You can ask questions and give suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, uh, Kedrin, you picked a really great Anthony DeMillo uh, quote that I want to read to everyone. Um, What must I do to attain holiness, said a traveler. Follow your heart, said the teacher. That seemed to please the traveler. Before he left, however, the teacher said to him in a whisper, to follow your heart, you're going to need a strong constitution. Thank you.